Support for WFIU News comes from the IU Alumni Association, now offering IU Proud, a member program designed for recent graduates and those facing economic hardship. More information at alumni.iu.edu join. Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville. Fiber Internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from Bloomington Health Foundation, providing financial support to the community for 55 years, promoting healthier lives and the advancement of future health care in our region, working together for a healthier tomorrow. More at bloomhf.org. And from Estate and Downsizing Specialists, LLC, offering complete turnkey services for estate and downsizing clients, from initial consultation through home cleanout to final real estate and personal property sales. More at edsindiana.com. Welcome to Noon Edition on WFIU. I'm your host, Bob Zaltzberg. Co-host Lori McRobbie is here with me today, and we're going to be talking about the Indiana Special Session and the recent bills passed regarding abortion, inflation relief, and more. We have three guests joining us by Zoom, State Representative Matt Pierce, who represents Indiana's House District 61. He's Assistant Democratic Floor Leader and Ranking Minority Member of the Utilities, Energy, and Telecommunications Com- Committee. Also, Senator Shelley Yoder, she's the Assistant Minority Caucus Chair for the Senate District 40. Both are Democrats. And Caitlin Lang is here with us. She is the Indiana Statehouse reporter for the Indianapolis Star. We did invite uh, 10 different Republicans, six senators, Senator Sue Glick, Senator Roderick Bray, Senator Liz Brown, Senator John Ford, Senator Jean Lysing, Senator Linda Rogers, and four House members, Speaker of the House Todd Houston, Speaker Pro Tempore Mike Karakoff, Majority Leader Matt Lehman, and Bruce Borders, who represents District 45, and none of them were able to come on today or would come on today. We also contacted Right to Life Indiana, and nobody from that organization uh, returned our call. So if you have questions or comments, we would love to have your voice on the air today. And you can send us your questions to news at indianapublicmedia.org, or you can join us on the air by calling 812-855-0811 or toll-free 877-285-9348. Well, Caitlin Lang, it's good to have you on here with us today. I want to – you know, we, we – uh, have had Brandon um, Smith talk about sort of give us an overview from time to time um, from his perch there at the state house, but we're happy to have you on today. Can you give us kind of an overview of what happened in the special session? What were the key bills that came out? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, obviously, the big issue of the special session was the near total abortion ban that passed in Senate Bill 1. Um, obviously, there were changes with the bill, but the final bill ended up banning abortions at zero weeks, except for in cases of rape, incest, uh, fatal fetal abnormalities, and to protect the life and health of the mother. Um, the rape and incest exception was notably cut off at 10 weeks post fertilization, which was probably one of the more controversial measures of the bill um, and then of course doctors could also still face you know prison fine or the loss of their license for performing illegal abortions um, as it passed it wasn't exactly what the anti-abortion folks wanted to see um, so at the end of the day you had this proposal that neither side was especially thrilled about um, and then the other bill which got less attention but is obviously still important was senate bill 2 which gives Hoosiers uh, $200 checks, including those on social security and disability, and provides other sort of wraparound services to pair with the the abortion ban to provide more resources for women and children. Senator Yoder and Representative Pierce. Senator Yoder, I'll start with you. Um, give me your assessment of what the legislature did. What the legislature did was, well, I'm going to be clear uh, here. What what I think is an excessive majority did, all Republicans, uh, they 
very much did not listen to Hoosiers and rammed through an, an extreme piece of legislation uh, that really is um, taking away women's uh, personal autonomy, uh, liberty, access to reproductive health care, abortion care, and really put forth in the state of Indiana, uh, the country's you know first uh, legislatively passed uh, total abortion ban. And what we witnessed was a very uh, ran through session, special session, that we were given approximately, well, we were given 40 days, but we uh, took as few days as we possibly could and um, have really taken many steps backwards, uh, taken away what has been a constitutional right for women for the past 50 years and, and taken that away. And I'm still hearing from constituents uh, that are devastated by this and are trying to put their lives back together because the last two weeks have been incredibly difficult for Hoosiers. I know you were a very vocal spokesperson for the Democrats in the Senate. Matt Pierce, I know you were active on the on the House side as well. Give us your assessment of the session. Well, I agree with Shelley that the you know the supermajority clearly took away individual freedom from women across Indiana, and I think they did it because they felt that they had to deliver to this key part of their Republican coalition that gets them elected, and that's the anti-abortion forces who they've been pandering to for 50 years, kind of knowing that because of Roe v. Wade, uh, the other side really wouldn't get too upset about it because it always ends up getting thrown out in court. And so now they had to face the real deal. And the, the thing I think that's frustrating to so many people is if you look at the polling and kind of understand where people are, they're not for a zero ban. I don't think they're for unlimited abortion at any time any, for any circumstance, but they're certainly are not for a zero ban. And we got a zero ban because that is what the um, anti-abortion forces in India were demanding. Although ironically, you know, the few narrow exceptions, um, which is something, uh, you know, that was completely unacceptable. A lot of the debate on the Republican side was just about whether or not a bill with a few narrow exceptions was, uh, you know, too liberal to be passed. All right. Yeah. Lori? <laughs> Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you. For, you guys we're, were both very clear on that. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Appreciate it. And, and of course, uh, many of us were watching. Um, uh, Senator Yoder, you, you spoke to the fact that it appeared the majority uh, was not we're not listening to Hoosiers. Can you say more about the testimony, the public testimony that you heard, uh, particularly on the abortion bill? We, we will get to the other aspects of the special session, but I think there's a lot to cover here with with what happened with abortion. We what had, did you hear from Hoosiers? Mm-hmm, we had hundreds of Hoosiers show up at the state house repeatedly and those that signed up to provide testimony first in the senate because the bill started in the senate uh, we were only able to hear uh, from approximately 30 people um and people waited they were promised an opportunity to be heard um and and we just did not hear from hoosiers and i had mentioned this earlier in my comments opening up and that is we had the time that's that's the thing we had the time and it was a choice not to hear from every single hoosier who wanted to come and share their testimony so we heard testimony and it was if if you have an opportunity to go back and listen to uh the the testimony you can access it from iga.in.gov and very gut-wrenching stories so many hoosiers you know one thing we don't talk about is close to one in four women access abortion care and there is a variety of reasons why women need access to abortion care but the strength and courage that women had on something that number one 
and probably um, to our detriment, we don't talk about this. Uh, it's very, these are private issues. We don't talk about our own healthcare, nor do we require it of people. These are private issues. And so we don't talk about these issues. And women had the courage, the guts to stand up and share their stories. I mean, first of all, when you discover you're pregnant, you sort of lose your your space. People touch your belly, they touch you, um, unwelcomed. And so to put yourself out there, not just about pregnancy, but for so many women in really hard, painful moments in their lives and, and share so courageously, and the fact that we couldn't make time to hear every single person who wanted to come and, and share that story, we couldn't find, find time. So it was gut-wrenching. It was hours of, of courage that we heard. And at the end of this, to, to land where we did is unconscionable because what we heard from Hoosiers, and it was really what uh, Representative Pierce said, um, we, we heard women and men in Indiana want full access to seek the care that they need for themselves and for their families, but they don't want the state of Indiana, and they certainly don't want these legislators in that decision-making time or in the examination room with their doctor, that this is, these are very private, sensitive, painful moments, and we don't need the government making those decisions. But that's what's gone down with the passing of SB1. Yeah. Um, Representative Pierce, I, I don't know if you have other uh, comments to add on what you were hearing. Uh, and in particular, I guess, uh, you know, sir, I, I did see some of the testimony, uh, some of which came from, you know, you know OBGYNs talking about uh, the care they had given to um, two children, 10 and 11-year-old girls, little girls who had uh, become pregnant. And, and it was wrenching indeed. Were there... Were there those who testified publicly in favor of this legislation? Yeah, and that, in the House, we had in the committee, I think we started about nine o'clock in the morning. We did get everybody in. I really pushed the committee chair, and I'm pleased that she allowed everyone to testify. And, um, and I think we finished up about five o'clock. But the thing that was interesting is just the complete variety of testimony from women who had unwanted pregnancies and made different decisions. And and then and the OBGYN is talking about all the complex, hard to predict, different, myriad different types of health complications that arise that require them and their patients to make very tough decisions. And then layered onto that were a number of people testifying that essentially said, this is an easy issue. I'm raised a Christian, the Bible says this, there's absolutely never any uh, abortion allowed anywhere. It's God's command, and you must legislate this um, this belief because it's it's you know, the absolute word. And so that's what I found um, so interesting. And I, in my closing remarks to the committee, I said that it seemed like a lot of people were living in what I called uh, an ideological utopia, where all the issues are easy, black and white. There's no gray area. It's all right and wrong. It kind of reminded me of you know, when I showed up at IU as a student, every issue was easy to me. Everything was absolutely, you know, that right and wrong, bright line. And kind of, the, you know, the more the years went by, the more education I got, you know, the more life experience, the more everything becomes gray. And so this was the grayest of gray issues. And yet the legislature is essentially saying we as the government are going to have a one size fits all policy for all these issues, which are so complex and so uh, great in variety that you cannot really legislate to consider for programs. So then you're down to like, who's gonna decide? Is it gonna be the government deciding or are you gonna let individuals based on their own uh, personal conscience and beliefs along with the advice of their healthcare providers, let them decide uh, what they're gonna do. And the legislature chose that the government's gonna decide. Yeah, Caitlin. Um, I have known uh, both Matt and Shelley and Senator Yoder and Representative Pierce for a long time. I know them to be uh, people who 
speak their truth very um, assertively, and they don't pull any punches. But I, you know, we don't have a Republican on here to counter what they have to say. I'm not asking you to counter them, but I just want your opinion as a um, a representative of the media who watched this. Were there things that you heard there that that sounded um, exactly like what you saw, or was there anything that they said that may you may have a different point of view on? Yeah, I think they were pretty spot on. I think the main thing to just sort of emphasize is that we did have people who were both anti-abortion and in favor of abortion rights that testified, um, you know, so in, in both sides were unhappy with the bill. Um, but the, the other thing, too, that I think that we do need to look at on this issue is polling. And obviously, we don't have the best polling on the matter because it is such a gray area. There are some people who, you know, want to see exceptions in a total ban. There are some people who have a certain number of weeks in their mind. So I think it's really hard to get solid polling on this issue. But the one thing that is pretty clear is that it is a minority of people who want a total uh, ban that doesn't include exceptions for rape and incest. And so I think where lawmakers landed, I'm, I'm not sure if 10 weeks is you know good enough for the general public the majority of the public when it comes to allowing for those exceptions because not everybody in those circumstances several people testifying have pointed out not everyone is going to know quickly enough that they're pregnant um, and be in the right mindset to seek an abortion within 10 weeks if they have been raped or it was an incest situation so that was another uh, sort of sticking point that I saw. Um, the other thing, too, that's just worth pointing out is that the majority of Republicans uh, in both chambers combined did vote for uh, to nix the exceptions for rape and incest that ultimately failed. But that was something that was considered. And a lot of the anti-abortion folks that spoke were in favor of a proposal that didn't include those exceptions at all. I know that there was uh, some discussion, a couple of amendments brought up about giving this, uh, sending this to the voters and asking the voters to decide what they think about this, as they did in Kansas. Um, Senator Bray, I believe, in a story that I read, I don't know if it was done by Indiana Public Broadcasting or by Caitlin or by one of our reporters here, but Senator Bray said that it would be very difficult to get a question that everybody could agree on. So I just I wanted to get Matt Pierce's take on that and well, any of you really, but let's start with Matt. Well, I, I think that the Republicans didn't want something on the ballot that might motivate, although I think you'd have a fair amount of anti-abortion people motivated to come and vote on that as well, but I, I think they don't like things that might cause um, you know, pro-choice people to get motivated to get out because that might impact ballot races. So I think that was a big part of it. But it goes back to this issue of, you know, within the Republican Party, they have a very important part of their coalition, which are the these anti-abortion groups and, and their supporters. And they've got to they've got to keep these array of people in their coalition happy. And they've got to keep the corporate donations coming in so they have money to run their campaigns. And so that puts them in a little bit of a box. You know, and because of redistricting, we'll come back to that over and over again, but you know, most all the districts, there are a few districts that are very competitive. Most of them are 70% one way or the other. And so the primary is really the election. And we know that the most ardent, more ideological people tend to vote in primaries. And so that means that if you're really thinking about what's my long-term future in the legislature, it's all about keeping the members of your coalition happy and not triggering a primary challenge. And so really, uh, you know, to find out that a majority of people want something different than a zero week ban with a few exceptions, doesn't really help them out politically because I was surprised that, you know, when that Kansas uh, referendum occurred in a very Republican state and it was such a lopsided kind of outcome, I thought that might cause them to kind of pause for a minute kind of think this through because West Virginia had a special session. They're going to pass something. My understanding is they just kind of gave up and went home. And so I was thinking they might say, well, you know what, maybe we should give this a little more time to kind of uh, bake up within the 
you know, the population, the voters and the, the residents of Indiana, and then come back in a long session, which is much better for legislating because, you know, what they wanted to do in the short session is get out of there as fast as possible. But they knew if they came in and suspended all the rules and did it in one or two days, which often happens, that they would just get tremendous criticism on an issue of this magnitude. So they had to go through all the normal procedures for a bill without suspending the rules, but do them just in rapid succession. So you end up with a two-week session. Had they just waited until the normal long session coming up in January, this debate would have played out over a number of months. Wherever the bill started, they probably would have had from January you know, to the end of February for that bill to kind of move through the process. And there wouldn't have been the time pressures. And then you have this little break and then the second house takes it up and you have a much longer period of time for things to be considered. And that's when I think you have a shot at getting a better piece of legislation. Senator Yoder? I think Matt did a great job. Okay. Uh, I, I would say when you take a step back, this legislation uh, was really a, a knee-jerk reaction uh, to the support Supreme Court's um, the Dobbs case. And I do feel that they felt like had to have some response. Uh, the Republicans felt like they had to have some response. And at the end of the day, what it really, so much of the conversation is about control and control of women's lives because uh, we have abstinence only, uh, sex education that's, um, that the state says is the only one that we can, uh, that schools can just outright teach, abstinence only. And we do not have adequate access to birth control. And we tried to make those amendments. We tried to add it to the bill. We tried to add it to the wraparound services, the, the, um, the piece of why we were technically called into special session to address, well, inflation, but it ended up being um, sort of brought together with one piece of legislation, one bill to address both wraparound services and inflation. Uh, we couldn't even get it done in that piece. And if you want to talk about things that are weren't popular, I mean, you know, it really is hard to thread a needle this poorly because as Caitlin said, everybody hated this bill. Not one person stood up and said, I support this bill. The, the author of the bill herself, Senator Glick, I don't even think she liked the bill. So, so many people hated this bill. And, you know, as a result, you know, I think we got a piece of legislation that again is not really what Hoosiers wanted and we needed more time, but we tried to make it uh, better. And we, you know, the Democrats, we were unsuccessful at adding some very common sense amendments to the language. So I don't really think this special session or SB1 was about listening to Hoosiers. Uh, I think it was about control. You know, Shelley's got makes a really good point there that uh, if you watched all the testimonies, so I think in the House and the Senate, you know, it's like two days worth. I think there are about 150 or so people um, testified. Not a single one was for the bill. You had two camps. You have the one camp that said any exceptions are unacceptable. You have to have a complete and total ban on abortion. Then you had the other side saying, like, you shouldn't be passing anything. The laws we have now are fine. You should maintain the status quo that developed under the Roe v. Wade decision. And you didn't have anybody coming up saying this is a good bill. And that, that's kind of weird. I don't know if I've seen that before. We uh, are talking with State Representative Matt Pierce and State Rep State Senator Shelley Yoder, both Democrats, and uh, Caitlin Lang, Indiana State House reporter for the Indy Star. Today on Noon Edition, we're talking about the special se session that was concluded uh, within the last couple of weeks. And I want to mention again that we invited the bill's author, Senator Sue Glick. We invited Senator Roderick Bray, the uh, Republican leader of the Senate. We invited Speaker of the House Todd Houston, the Republican leader of the House, and seven other Republican uh, legislators to join us on the show today. We couldn't get a confirmation from any of them. Um, so we are going ahead and having the show. And I know that some of the conversation may be a little unbalanced, but um, it's, you know, it's a very important public issue for the state, and we're going to just go forward with it. So if you have questions or comments, want to join us here, you can call us at 812-855-0811 
or toll-free at 877-285-9348. You can also send your questions to news at indianapublicmedia.org. Well, and uh, just given that we're here discussing this with two members of the uh, Democratic uh, caucus, if you will, in in the um, legislature, um, do you have plans, uh, bills, and so forth that you're considering to introduce in the long session that might um, add more provisions and protections uh, to the legislation that was passed? Is is that something that you're discussing? Or if you can speak to that, either, either Senator Yoder or Representative Pierce. Well, one of the concerns that I have uh, and we received a great deal of information from from care providers, from medical providers, from OBGYNs with their concerns from uh, their patients that they would hear. And some of our amendments that never even were heard were in response to not only SB1, but also uh, the inflation slash wraparound services bill, uh, SB2, that we have zero oversight on crisis pregnancy center or resource pregnancy centers. And in the wraparound services, the state of Indiana in this bill was uh, going to give, it was $45 million to to these, oh, well, it's $45 million to establish this um, Hoosiers Family First Fund and money going specifically to these resource centers that provide um, ultrasounds, advertising medical grade uh, pregnancy tests. Uh, They are giving medical advice and yet they are not licensed. And what we're hearing from healthcare providers is many women who are on Medicaid, who are recipients of, who are on Medicaid, they have to, if, if they do certain things in their prenatal care, they can receive extra dollars. They can get help with food, housing, uh, baby items, but they have to abide by certain benchmarks. And one of them happens to be a certain number of ultrasounds. Where they, Well, these women are going to these unlicensed facilities that are advertising ultrasounds, but those ultrasounds are not being administered by any uh, licensed or certified technicians. Uh, those ultrasounds are not put into any medical record. They are not kept. And so they are, the women and um, those receiving these ultrasounds are not told. And the assumption is that they are, that information is being passed along and saved somewhere. But then Medicaid is coming back and saying, you're being tossed out of the program because you did not abide by these uh, benchmarks that you need to do in order to stay on the um the increased Medicaid benefits and receive those. And so it's critical because it's a waste of taxpayer dollars to fund these programs if there's not truth in advertising. So part of my uh, bill, and I'm gonna continue to work on this next session, is to make sure that there is truth in advertising. And if we're gonna give these resource centers extra money, the the clients and customers and these individuals taking these services need to be told the truth and it needs to be upfront and clearly communicated. So that's one area that I'm going to be focused on. And I'm also going to be focused on, I was focused on it last um, session, and that is what we call the period tax. We tried to get this uh, an amendment that we're not going to tax pads and tampons, care for menstrual products that we know that girls in Indiana, women and girls in Indiana have a tough time affording those every month. And we were successful in uh, repealing the tax on diapers, children's diapers, baby diapers this session. And that is a good thing, but we've got much further to go. And one of those areas is taxing uh, what you could, I guess, call medical devices, uh, tampons and pads. And, and that is, a really important thing uh, to be able to get finished uh, for the state of Indiana, because so many girls and women would really uh, 
would be would be able to access uh, period care if we suspended the period tax. Indeed, Representative Pierce, anything anything else to add on your plans? Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of work to be done on all the things that Shelley's mentioned, and and generally this idea that now we're actually going to support pregnant women and newborns. Just a lot more to do. There's just kind of a little bit of a patina in these bills that got passed. So they could at least answer the argument that well, you only care about the fetus, but you never seem to care about the mother or the baby after they're actually born. So they get a little bit of something that they can answer back on this. But what happens on this larger issue going forward is really going to depend upon the elections coming up. So, you know, if, uh, for example, will a lot of, you know, Republican women maybe become single issue voters? I don't know if that'll happen and will cause some changes. I mean, if, if, uh, people in Indiana wake up on the day after the election, and it's a little bit of an earthquake like occurred in Kansas with that referendum where some Republican legislators who voted for the bill lost their um, seat in an unexpected way, or you can almost see a bit of a realignment within Indiana, perhaps in these issues, then that will cause, and maybe the super majority is no longer super, it's just the majority. Uh, that will cause the leadership of the Republicans in the House and Senate to kind of reconsider what they're doing on this issue. And so, you know, in a lot of ways, it is up to the voters and it's up to how active people get and, uh, you know, what the voters essentially say about all this when we get to November. Yeah, well, another another pitch to get out and vote and help other people get out and vote. It maybe is uh, it's always very important, but maybe maybe never more so than uh, it is right now. We have three different questions that have come in to us over the the phones. Uh, nobody wants to go on the air, but we still have three questions. This first one's from Alice, and um, Caitlin, I'm going to ask you this first. That uh, you know the the uh, legislators will, I'm sure know some of this but you know from your observations it says for young women and women of age for conceiving what should they expect for laws regarding contraceptives and prosecution for women who leave the state to get abortions were were those topics discussed considerably this year yeah regarding uh you know sort of punishment for women who do seek an abortion there was nothing like that in the bill as it uh, was finalized. Obviously, there was some conversation on that front, but under current law, no women themselves would not be prosecuted for going out of state to seek an abortion or even, you know, obtaining an illegal abortion here. It would be the providers who would be punished. Um, regarding birth control access, as of now, this bill doesn't touch that, doesn't change that, so that access is still there. Um, I think it might have been Senator Yoder who alluded to this earlier. There were efforts to actually expand access to birth control. Uh, there was one proposed amendment that would have allowed pharmacies to dispense birth control without, um, you know, without doctor's uh, prescription. Uh, but that just barely failed. So I'm assuming we'll see that issue come up again on the birth control route. Um, but of course, you know, we don't know for sure what will happen come January. I imagine we will see some changes to the bill or to the law, the abortion law come January. But I don't think it would be to, you know, punish women or or anything along those lines. Second question to give you the lead on was the was there. This is from Greg said was the dif was the difference between chemical and surgical abortions part of the debate? Yeah, under the bill that passed, uh, both are treated the same. So there wasn't a whole lot of discussion on that. Obviously, there were attempts to allow, you know, the the med med medicine abortions, but those failed. So uh, as of right now, they're treated the same under Indiana law. I am curious if we'll see anything new on that front because uh, I imagine you know, that's, there are plenty of things that lawmakers probably haven't thought of yet when it comes to the different types of ways to get an abortion. Um, the, the one thing to note is that under Indiana law, you can't have, you can't use telemedicine for an abortion either. So, um, you know, that would relate to the abortion pills. I want to give our legislators a chance to, to address either of those first two topics about what to expect for 
laws regarding contraceptives or prosecution for women who leave the state and also this chemical and surgical abortions part of the debate. Any any thoughts on that, uh, Senator Yoder? I wanted to sort of shed a little light on the uh, traveling out of state for abortion. And yes, on this piece of legislation, that was addressed, that this piece of legislation would not criminalize women for traveling out of the state. However, my concern is what we were promised is we will come back uh, every session. And what we heard from those who are uh, against any any small exceptions whatsoever, I, I fear for trolling Facebook, um, what might happen when anecdotes get out of women who do um, need to travel out of state to seek abortion care. And the since we do have a very knee-jerk reaction um, supermajority, what we're going to see. So yes, SB1 did not criminalize traveling out of state, but how quickly and stockish um, we could become in Indiana to try to change that. And, and that has me very concerned. Uh, and I think we will continue to see some of the uh, the small exception for 10 weeks uh, for rape and incest uh, victims re-victimized every single session to try to get those um, taken away. You know, 10 weeks is, is nothing um, to try to process all of this. And so, so I do fear that uh, we're just seeing the beginning and, and this is going to be, um, again, a, a lot of energy spent on this, on, on this issue and not on issues where we could really uh, address how to improve the lives of Hoosiers, and that who you know who who, who loses in that is uh, the citizens of Indiana. Representative Pierce, any any thoughts on these issues? I think on the positive side, there are um, there there are some Republican legislators in the House who really want to make contraception more available and affordable, in the hopes that that will kind of avoid the tough decisions and maybe take this thing out of what was done, you know, if they reduce the number of unwanted pregnancies. But they're, they're running up against another core of legislators who, um, I think, based again on their religious beliefs, that um, contraception, or at least certain forms of contraception, is equal to abortion, and therefore the state shouldn't be promoting that either. So I think that might be the most likely debate on that generally. And then I, I think you will have, you know, as as women come together to create support networks to help people go to Illinois, if that's where they need to go to get the care that they want, um, as as people figure out ways to get abortion medications through the mail and other places, I think that once you begin to see that play out, there'll be all kinds of efforts uh, to head that off. And I don't know what form it will take. I don't know what will be upheld by the courts as far as trying to limit people's travel, but I think it's more likely to be Texas style stuff where, you know, if you're a nonprofit organization that assists women in affording to travel out of state for a purpose of getting an abortion, you lose your Indiana tax exemption or, you know, just all the kinds of small harassment kind of things, creating third party causes of action. I think you'll see a lot of that get filed. The question is whether uh, the leadership of the House and the Senate will decide they don't want to mess with this issue anymore or let it settle out for a while, and they just bury all the stuff and don't let it in any hearings. I have a third. I think it's. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, I think it's worth noting that one of the areas that I think is likely to see some changes in the coming years is that issue of uh, rape and incest, the 10 week exception. Um, I think one of the things that I'll be watching for is to see if lawmakers try to make it harder to claim that exception, you know, police report filings or bring back in an earlier version of the bill, there was a requirement to have a notarized order to get the, in order to obtain an abortion due to rape or incest. So I think those areas seem more likely to me as areas that Republicans could pursue in future legislative years. All right. Here's the third. There's a lot of it. 
if I could just throw in quickly, oh, sure. there, there, was, there was a real subtext that um, the people involved in this process are inherently dishonest. Like the women will lie and just say they were raped so that they can get the abortion. The healthcare providers will just fake up stuff to be able to get into these exceptions. And so there's this, there's this real level of distrust kind of there. And so I, I do think that um, it's correct that there'll probably be efforts to try to make it more difficult to actually claim the exceptions. And um, because the House, I mean, to the House's credit, I'll give the House Republicans say one nice thing about the House Republicans. They did strip out a lot of really onerous things the Senate had in like affidavits that are notarized and other crazy stuff that was in the Senate version. And, and the Senate may be angling to try to get that stuff back in somewhere. Okay. I'd like to add something sure. about that. Um, yes, the notarized affidavit was taken out uh, by the House, but still, what Representative Pierce is saying is exactly right. There, you know, this is not new. We don't trust women. We don't trust their voices. And when they come forward and say, "I'm not sure what happened. I think it was rape," we don't believe women. And even the language that was put in by the House, the physician now has to certify in writing that the abortion is being performed at the woman's request because the pregnancy is a result of rape or incest. And the physician has to attach a certificate. So a, a certificate that she's been raped? Based on what? I mean, right now, I'm sure you have listeners um, who have been told um, as a result of their assault, you know, how were you dressed? Uh, you knew this person. Why did you agree to go there? Were you drinking? How did that happen? Um, the amount of shaming and distrust of women and girls, even even to people they love, to uh, the medical field, to certainly legislators, we are not trusting women. And now it's on the physician to make sure that she has this, that he he, she, or they are going to certify a certificate of rape or that it was a result of rape is, it's just atrocious to me, but um, that's, that's what we have um, put into law, what the governor put into law in Indiana. I'm going another direction with this. I, I've got one more question I wanted to ask from our listeners, but Shelly, we did a story at WFIU earlier, it was probably close to a year ago, about the makeup of the legislature. And even though Indiana has a makeup of 51% women, I believe, and 50, 49% men, the legislature is more like 77 to 23%. How do you get more women elected to the legislature? Well, I think we're going to see a lot more women running in the future. Uh, we have many women running right now who are pro-choice, um, just incredible candidates. And how we get more women in the legislature is we get legislature, we get more women running. And I know in Monroe County we've uh, been successful. We've we have a successful Democratic Women's Caucus, and throughout Indiana, that model is being put into play and. I just think we need to lift up women's voices and women's experiences and ask women to run for public office. And when they do, they'll work hard and they will win. I want to um, turn turn a bit towards the economic effects of this bill. And I, this may also touch on the other um, elements of the special session, because that certainly um, dealt with uh, economic issues, but specifically on the abortion legislation, SB1, um, we've seen uh, both Lilly and Cummins come out, um, albeit rather late in the process, against the provisions on the basis that it makes it harder to hire, it makes it harder to function, uh, and, and certainly there are, I think the Chamber of Commerce also made some comments about the economic effects of this. Can you, and, and actually, Caitlin, you, you may have a, a view of this, and certainly um, either of our legislate, legislators do too. Uh, what are you seeing uh, in terms of commentary and uh, feedback on, on the economic effects of this? I think it's it's really uh, almost too early to see what all the impacts will be economically. Um, I think you're right that there is this fear that it will lead to a brain drain, um, you know, particularly among young people. 
you know, I think there's this fear too. I've, I've seen tweets on social media of folks warning young people not to go to college here in Indiana. You know, I think that's, that's a real concern. Um, but it, it is hard to say what the actual impact will be. Um, I think you're right that Cummins and Lilly are the two major ones I've seen so far. So this hasn't been, uh, you know, we always like to compare things to the Religious Freedom Restoration Act impact. Uh, so I haven't seen widespread, uh, you know, feedback like there was after RIFRA. Um, but I do think that Convention-wise, Visit Indy and others are still looking at the potential impact and are concerned about it. Gen Con, which, uh, you know, comes to Indy every year, also sort of issued this statement threatening that, hey, we're looking at other options. So there could be an impact, but I don't think we'll know much of it until further down the line. How much did you hear from businesses like this, um, Senator Yoder and, and Representative Pierce, before. I think both of them have, they came out afterward, but I think both said that they had been working with legislators beforehand. Is that, do you, were you involved in any of that? Oh, I think that, you know, it's possible. They seem to suggest that they had been quietly talking to the Republican leadership, urging them not to do it. I don't know if that's actually the case, but that you kind of got that impression from some of the comments after the bill became law. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was a little bit of back channeling going on there, but I think that there was there was one group that organized a lot of business um, owners to sign basically a petition saying don't do this, and they did present that to us. But it was a lot of you know smaller small businesses, and you know it wasn't the big Cummins, Lilly, you know these major um, corporations in the state coming forward in a very public way. And so I think they probably felt that this is a really divisive issue and they didn't want to get in the middle of it. Here's the third question we got from a, a listener, and it, it calls for an opinion. So, Caitlin, I'm not going to start with you, but you might have something you want to say to this, too. Uh, Ed called and said, did Governor Holcomb support this bill for political purposes in regards to helping his case to run for Senate in the future? Well, it's hard to it's hard to know what um, you know. I can't pretend to know it's motivating the governor when he does things. But I think just objectively, you would say that if you want to run for any office as a Republican nominee, in the current world we live in, you cannot um, get the anti-abortion people mad at you because that's such a key um, part of the Republican coalition. So it does make him make it easier for him to run in the future. Now he had the one instance where he he um, he vetoed the transgender bill, which is a little bit out of character because that's another thing that animates some of the um, Christian conservatives within that Republican coalition. Uh, by and large, he's had a strategy of just not unlike Mike Pence of not getting out in front of the social issues, hanging back trying not to get on record, and then if something gets to his desk, he kind of quietly signs it and moves on. But I think to preserve his ability to win a primary in the future. All right. And I would I would add to that, mm -hmm. I, I observed and think that that Republicans were a little surprised by the amount and the strength of the backlash. Because early on, we, I know Governor, Governor Holcomb said that he would sign anything that came to him uh, as a result of the, uh, of the Dobbs decision. And I know that Hoosiers had a very negative response to that. And he pulled that back. He walked it back and said, I will you know, be measured. I don't remember the exact words, but basically I'll be measured and, and be you know, really looking at what they send me. And I, I think that the organizing and mobilization around this, I just want to sort of deliver kind of uh, what I see as positive is the amount of organization mobilization that this SB1 has done for Indiana. And we're going to see you know, some real movement and becoming more active in, in voting and in issues and it, maybe this one issue is the one that motivates people. I don't know, but you know, we we have to be unrelenting 
in our efforts and and the uh, the message that we send has to be very clear in November. And as Representative Pierce said, if we don't, you know, we're not maybe we don't win every single race, but we have to make some um, some efforts to change this. And what I'm seeing is we're definitely working towards that. And I think the governor felt it. I mean, his response was, uh, I'll keep an open ear and um, I'll be listening. I mean, personally, I wish he had been listening prior to uh, signing that because it's um, just bad policy for Indiana. But I think the writing's on the wall. Uh, I, I do not think that this is a positive step forward for Indiana. And we're going to see how this plays out, as Caitlin was saying, with the economy in Indiana in years to come. 30 seconds for each of you. Um, give me a grade on the Inflation uh, Reduction Act or the legislation. Matt? Yeah, my 30 seconds is, you know, I sat on the House floor, it's something which is better than nothing. But we're really squandering opportunities to help the people that are most in need. And so this, I think that what the legislature is really trying to do is just drain that surplus as much as possible so that when we start asking what about early childhood education or daycare or these other important needs that we, you know, people in the state need, that they'll be able to once again say, oh, sorry, I'd like to do it, but we just don't have the money. Shelly? I would say a, a letter grade, uh, C minus. I mean, it, it was better than a poke in the eye is what I heard so many people say, but and we'll do this. We could have done so much more to help Hoosiers. And we simply, we were not, uh, we didn't do that. And we tried, the Democrat caucus tried to, to make those changes, but we were unsuccessful. But we were able to repeal that diaper, children's diapers tax. And that is huge to me um, and get that $200 back into Hoosiers pockets. But there's so much more we could have done. Caitlin, any last words? Yeah, I can't give a, a personal grade, sure. but I think the $200 back would be politically, uh, you know, Hoosiers will probably like that. Um, and I think also the final bill showed a little bit of Holcomb, Senate Republicans and House Republicans, uh, and a little bit of Democratic ideas in there too uh, from years past. So I think on in Republicans' eyes, it was definitely a win. All right, we are out of time. Thank you very much to State Representative Matt Pierce, State Senator Shelley Yoder, and Caitlin Lang, the Indiana State House reporter for the Indy Star. We're sorry we didn't have any Republicans on the show today, but we asked 10 of them and we couldn't get anybody to come on. I want to thank co-host Lori McRobbie for producers Benta Boutier, Kathy Knapp, and Nathan Moore, and also engineer Mike Pashkash. I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening to Noon Edition. Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville. Fiber internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from Bloomington Health Foundation, providing financial support to the community for 55 years, promoting healthier lives and the advancement of future health care in our region, working together for a healthier tomorrow. More at bloomhf.org. And from Estate and Downsizing Specialists, LLC, offering complete turnkey services for estate and downsizing clients, from initial consultation through home cleanout to final real estate and personal property sales. More at edsindiana.com.